0: Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, fitness, prevention, biohacking, and more. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of FitRx. I am your host Dr. Greg Dennis, and this is kind of a part 2 on the carnivore diet. If you listened to my last podcast with Dr. Sean Baker introducing the carnivore diet, if you have not, you might go back and listen to that one first, but I wanted to give just a little bit more information from somebody who's been doing this for a long time and just a, a real-life example of the benefits you can get from a carnivore diet so my guest this morning is uh, linda salant and she has been doing uh, the carnivore diet for a while and she'll tell us her story she is known as the carnitarian on instagram and has a gazillion followers Um, she is also a carnitarian coach on the meat rx website is that correct
1: That's right. Carnivore coach. Yes.
0: Very good. Okay. Uh, So Linda, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. So let's start by, I just would like to hear your story. I mean, how did you discover the carnivore diet? What led you to try it? And how long have you been doing it? Just, just kind of tell your story.
1: Okay. So I found the carnivore diet back in 2005. I had gone back to a ketogenic diet at that time. And through Facebook and, you know, social media feeds, the carnivore diet sort of popped up for me. Now, the backstory of why I was on a ketogenic diet at that time was that I had generally been doing a standard American diet um, for a while. I had had two kids and I had a few pounds to lose, but nothing major. But in my lifetime, I had realized that the best diet for me was a ketogenic diet. Because back in, I want to say 2000, I had started, i learned about the Atkins diet and I had started the Atkins diet. And I saw some improvements in my health, the way I felt, my joints felt better. Um, I didn't have you know constant hunger and stuff like that. Um, and I realized over the years that things like calories in, calories out don't work. I don't feel my best that way. After having my son, I said, let's get back to a ketogenic diet. And then carnivore popped up and I saw it. uh, I saw people having great success on it. So I, you know, I started to read all about it in these Facebook groups. There's a huge Facebook group out there. And the people that were doing it were just looking amazing, feeling amazing, telling these stories about how all of their aches and pains went away. And I had some aches and pains and some things. So, well, let me just try this for 30 days and see what happens. And that is going to be, you know, six years ago now. So it's a, it's a very long time. Um, I was never tremendously overweight, except for in pregnancy, I had gained a bunch of weight. Um, But really, I was just fascinated by this diet after all of the improvements came that I didn't realize could be improved. And I didn't even realize that needed improving, you know, things like migraine headaches, uh, irregular periods, PCOS, some anxiety, some depression, these things just lifted with carnivore. And so I really just didn't feel the need to go back. And as I stuck with carnivore, I started seeing even more improvements more and more. So, um, you know, it's carnivore for me. I'm sticking with it for the duration.
0: So you've been doing it six years now.
1: It'll be six years in April of 2021. Yeah.
0: So that's a long time to just be eating meat. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: so that's the thing, you know, people say, well, what do you eat? Right. You just eat meat. Like, tell me, what can you eat this? This is so boring. This is so terrible, but it's, more than just meat, right? So if you think about all the different cuts of meat there are and all the different animals there are. So, you know, meat includes beef, lamb, chicken. Uh, It also includes fish and shellfish. So I eat those. There's cheese, eggs, uh, and then all the different ways that you can cook all those things. I mean, think of all the different ways you can even just cook an egg. So it's completely not boring. There's so many cuts that I haven't even tried yet. So many cooking techniques that I haven't even tried yet. So Uh, it's incredible. I go into the butcher section of the supermarket and I'm just like a kid in a candy shop for me. I'm like, Ooh, I've never tried that cut before. (laughs) Never had that cut before. And you know, it's definitely not boring. Very
0: good. So what do you feel uh, you mentioned some things, but what do you feel is the biggest benefit that you've achieved from this type of eating?
1: So the hugest thing for me was, is still, it's kind of two things. The first is relief from interstitial cystitis pain. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, this is like chronic pain of the bladder. And it makes you feel like you've got a chronic UTI, but you don't have a UTI. It's just inflammation of the bladder. And um, so that was relieved tremendously. That has a lot to do with the oxalates and just some of those um, you know kind of anti nutrients com- chemical compounds that are found in plants that aren't found in meat so getting rid of the plant foods really helped me tremendously with the interstitial cystitis and in that that lifted a lot of depression and anxiety because being in constant pain from the cystitis is really very depressing and it, it lays you up in bed for a while and you just don't feel like doing anything because you know you're just kind of in pain and then then they say that there really is no cure for this. Um, but the second thing that I found huge improvement in is in the swelling and the pain and the bruising that's associated with lipedema. The keto, you know, keto diet is sort of up and coming in the lipedema space as being a very useful treatment for lipedema where regular you know, calories in, calories out doesn't work. Working out doesn't work. Calorie restriction doesn't work. Um, I found the combination of a ketogenic carnivore diet along with some intermittent fasting and some extended fasting to just be huge for relieving lipedema pain and swelling and, you know, and the bruising that comes along with it. That's really also a very depressing debilitating condition for a lot of women who are basically dismissed, you know, and told by their doctors, you just need to eat less or exercise more and all of this, you know, fat in your legs will go away, but that's certainly not the case. So things like a carnivore diet and a ketogenic diet can be very helpful. I found carnivore to be just tremendous for that. It's a huge improvement.
0: So you got, it sounds like some benefit on just a a ketogenic diet, but then when you kind of took the next step and went to carnivore, uh, it it sounds like it got rid of pretty much much everything.
1: Absolutely. I mean, things that improved with keto back in the day when I started that was mainly joint pain. Um, I could walk up the steps. I wouldn't be searching for elevators. So that was always really great with keto, but that was never... I still had a lot of cystitis pain. I was eating a ton of green vegetables. I was really like oxalate bombs every day. So I wasn't feeling any relief there. And the migraines were still there. The irregular periods were constant. I never had a regular period until I switched to carnivore. And I've only had regular periods after carnivore, So there's something about the plant foods that I just needed to get rid of for all of those things.
0: Yeah. So that's a great segue uh, to my next question. And, and me and Dr. Baker talked about this a little bit, but obviously most people out there say vegetables are, are good for you. They're superfoods. You have to have fruits. What do you say to people who, who say, you know, what about
1: fruits and vegetables? Well, I just don't buy it. I mean, the research shows that animal products really are the most bioavailable. They're the most nutrient dense in terms of vitamins and minerals and things that our bodies need. I think plants can be used as a backup food source. You know, plants are filler, but plants come with some pretty toxic stuff. And in my opinion, it's just a matter of tolerance. So there are a lot of people out there that can tolerate vegetables quite well they don't mind the fiber in their gut their digestion is fine and then there's a lot of people who just don't deal well with plant fiber or you know the endotoxins that are in the plants um and i just you know eat the rainbow i just don't buy it i think too there's an environmental impact there of eating vegetables you know all year round um, no matter where you're living, vegetables don't really occur all year round and fruits the way that the way that we see them in the supermarkets. So I feel like we can get everything we need from animal foods. Um, and so I'm sticking with that. I haven't seen any deficiencies in anybody who's been a long-term carnivore, certainly not in myself and not in the people that I've seen in the space.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, do you monitor uh, any blood levels of... Uh, lipids or other inflammatory type markers on yourself?
1: You know, I haven't done any of those like in-depth things I've done just, you know, complete blood panels. And so my cholesterol is great. I've got, you know, high total cholesterol. I've got extremely low triglycerides. So those two things are, you know, and, and high HDL, those things just show me that I've got, you know, great cholesterol profile, lipid profile, but I will tell you, um, I had, I have long suffered with chronic venous insufficiency, which is, uh, it has to do with dysfunction of the veins throughout. And I had gone and had several of my veins, they call them, you know, vein stripping. Mm-hmm. I had several of those veins removed and the, the surgeon who did the work on me said, well, you'll be back in two years because your other veins will start to uh, break down. I just recently went back and had a check on my veins and it's been seven years. And he said to me, there's nothing I could do for you surgically to help you. You, you're perfect. Your veins haven't changed at all. So I have very, I mean, that to me is a sign of low inflammation. I have very low inflammation. There's, there's no vein swelling going on. Um, nothing to fix. So I'm happy with that.
0: So uh, you, you mentioned you have children. Uh, I'm interested. Did your whole family eat this way?
1: They don't. Um, My husband did join me for a short while, but he is a huge salad eater. He loves to eat large volumes of salad. Um, I have a daughter, so he's not. He's sort of keto, but definitely not strict keto. I'll make a big dinner of meat, and I'll eat the meat, and he'll have a big salad along with the meat. Um, My daughter is sort of in and out of keto. She's 16, and my son does not eat this way at all. We focused on protein in the house in general. so I always make sure that everybody's got their proteins in first. Um, we don't do any artificial sweeteners. We don't do artificial colors. we certainly don't do sugar, but they are eating you know all the things other than that. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm, I'm curious for yourself. I, I love the idea of this of this diet. My goal is to kind of do carnivore-ish but you know I love my coffee, uh, I love my <laughs> glass of wine, uh, and you know an occasional beer, an occasional dessert. I mean, do you miss that kind of stuff?
1: You know, I don't, I don't, I do still have coffee. Um, So that's definitely in, I have coffee every day. And and I think that that being animal-based is really can be very, very much good enough for getting a lot of health benefits. The main things that you want to stay away from are, you know, plant toxins to tolerance, um, seed oils, you know, things like canola and sunflower oil, obviously, highly inflammatory, you know, and processed foods. So if you are carnivore-ish, if you're meat-based and you're getting all of the nutrients that you need and you stay away from the inflammatory foods, I really don't think a glass of wine here and there is going to kill you. And I really don't think that you should be missing any traditional celebrations because you're stuck in some kind of carnivore- they call dogma where you're like, well, I'm carnivore. I can't enjoy, you know, this celebration with my family because um, I just feel like that would break the code. You know, you just don't want to live that way. There's a balance in there. Um, I think for some people you wouldn't want to stray because some people will sort of spiral if they do that occasional dessert. Some people come from a different background of food addiction or sugar addiction, and that can be a slippery slope. But for, the general population who's just coming from chronic dieting, I think that it can be fine to sort of live a balanced carnivore-ish life. Things that people yeah. like to include that are carnivore-ish are like avocados, olives. Um, foods like that don't seem to trigger anybody.
0: Good advice. Uh, yeah, I I can tolerate most all those foods, kind of like your husband. I mean, I, I eat a lot of meat, but but I eat some of these other things as well. You know, those that I'm starting to really push towards a carnivore diet are, are people who have autoimmune disease. And just looking at a lot of the testimonials out there, man, there's just a bunch of people who have reversed autoimmune disease on this type of a lifestyle. So I feel like those are the people who can benefit the most from it and, and maybe need to be the most strict is when you're trying to actually treat a health disease uh, or, or, or a disease. Would, would you agree with that?
1: I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I mean, that's why when I give recommendations to people, if you've got an autoimmune disease, you absolutely cannot cheat. You wouldn't want to introduce fiber and you wouldn't want to introduce any of those things in the plant foods like the lectins, the phytates, any of those plant proteins that can permeate a leaky gut and then you know, signal an autoimmune response. So you want to be really strict and you want to help you, you, know, you want to heal that gut. But if that's not your situation, like, like we were saying, it's sort, you can do sort of figure out what your tolerance is for any other types of foods. Um, but, but absolutely the greatest elimination diet is meat and water. It's just, it's just great to get rid of all the other variables. Then if you want to start reintroducing things, you can really see what it is that's triggering any issues that you're trying to solve.
0: So you coach this stuff or you coach people, uh, through this, what are some of the, the hurdles that people may have when, when they want to get started or once they get started? And, And so how do you advise people just getting started?
1: Well, oftentimes people that come to me are coming from a chronic dieting background where they've been told, you know, they're, they're overweight, but they've been told that they have to eat, especially women have to eat, you know, less than 1200 calories a day to lose weight and they're caught in this cycle of depressed metabolism and they're undernourished in general. Um, So what I try to help people understand is that if you're eating the proper foods, if you're eating the animal foods, you will get the appropriate hormone signaling and you won't necessarily really need to worry about the calorie intake. And that is a challenge for me to sort of convince people that they can eat more than they're used to eating if they're eating the appropriate foods. You know, a lot of people just don't believe it. It can be challenging for people when they start the carnivore diet, when they are trying to do two things at once. They're, they're trying to clean up their diet and not eat the processed foods. And there are, you know, they're trying to do carnivore, but they're also calorie restricting the way that they have done all their lives. That's very challenging um, because it's, it's just not what your body needs. And, and you're, you're going to end up hungry. And then you're going to end up in the pantry. So that that's one thing that I find challenging is is the people come with you know these sort of different backgrounds.
0: So give us some I guess just kind of practical advice so so somebody comes to you and they they want to get started maybe maybe give us some some actual things to eat, good places uh, you know when they when they go to the grocery store maybe maybe give us like a you know a, a grocery list on on getting started
1: so yeah, if somebody wants to get started, the best tip I can give you is to. Make sure you're stocked with meat. Make sure you're prepared, um, because the worst situation is is you're like, yeah, I'm on a carnivore diet, but I don't have any meat right now, and I'm really hungry. Because there's a period of adaptation where you still get those hangry, hungry things going on. Um, so the best tip is to be stocked and be stocked with the with the kind of meat that you really enjoy. If you enjoy hamburger patties, those are great. If you enjoy steaks, those are great. Whatever it is, just have it on hand. Uh, when I go to the supermarket. I typically will buy, um, a couple of ribeyes, a couple pounds of ground beef, eggs, cheese, and just have it all on hand. So if when you're starting, you start to feel snackish, you've got something to grab great, easy, and um, inexpensive things to get at the supermarket are things like ground beef. Um, chuck steak is a great value. You know, ribs are also really great, uh, you know, easy to cook up. So, you know, those are some go-tos. I love pork belly. That's something that um, I think everybody can agree on. Pork belly is delicious. Bacon is an easy go-to for a quick snack. Um, and, you know, if you can tolerate eggs, I always tell people, you know, make sure you're stocked up on eggs because there's it's, it's so fast. Um, but always have something prepped and ready to eat. So I'll tell people, make sure you've got those burger patties cooked and in your fridge. You don't want to be hungry and have a pound of raw ground beef, unless that's your jam, you like it raw, but you know, don't have a you don't you don't want to be in a situation where you've got to start cooking when you're hungry, um especially in the beginning.
0: So you mentioned, you know, especially the ground beef maybe is not that expensive, but most people are gonna say, look, I, I can't afford, I mean these these ribeye steaks, all this sounds very expensive. Um what what would you say to that?
1: Well I found it not to be um you know I do love the ribeye steaks. I just do. I love them. Um, but you, it is completely not expensive to do carnivore at all. Like I said, you can do carnivore very well, be very well fed, very satisfied and completely nourished on ground beef, bacon and eggs. I mean, there are some people out there that just eat ground beef and bacon. Um, and if you can shop the sales, you can get huge amounts of ground beef at a great price, put it in your freezer, portion it up before you freeze it. Um, and you can do very well. I think that it it is far better than a standard American diet where you're buying all of the things. And we all know that the vegetables that you buy don't always make it into your stomach. They make it, you know, they end up in the trash at the end of the week because you haven't prepared them. They turn to mush in your refrigerator. You wonder what is that? I can probably count on one hand the number of times where beef has gone bad in my fridge, but I can't tell you how many vegetables we throw away every month, you know, cause they just don't get eaten. Um, so you, you're really utilizing your dollar, you're maximizing your dollar by buying the carnivore foods that are going to get eaten and nothing gets wasted. You're not paying for fiber also that doesn't get digested. Everything you're eating on a carnivore diet gets digested properly, utilized for your nutrition.
0: No, I was just going to ask, do you, uh, have a lot stored in the freezer or do you just go weekly and buy your meat, you know, for the week or how do you do it?
1: We sort of have both. Um, We had gotten a large freezer at the beginning of this year because we were worried about the meat shortage that was impending. So we had gotten a large freezer and we had um, a bunch of steaks. We just kept sort of buying extra and putting it in the freezer. So we still do have some stash in the large freezer. But I like to eat meat fresh. So I'll go every two days and pick up enough for two days um, it's worth of meals and, and do that way.
0: So what would be your rec- recommendation? And I'm asking uh, kind of for myself, but I'm sure there's others in similar situations. So, you know, preparing for lunches, most of us work, uh, you know, uh, away from the house. I'm, I'm actually switching jobs after the first of the year, but my goal is to uh, kind of eat a carnivore type of a diet at lunch. But I'm thinking I'm going to have to prepare that probably on the weekend for the whole week, uh, you know, to, to be able to take that. I mean, what, what would be your recommendation
1: So for people who are traveling, um, I, I love to recommend that you have some bacon cooked and that's easily packable and burger patties cooked and that's easily packable. Interestingly enough, you'll find that when, once you get into it, steak is also really packable. If you cook a steak a few days in advance, you can have that in the fridge and you can just chop it into chunks, bring it in a bag and, or put it in a thermos cold and have that as a lunch and it's delicious. So Any carnivore foods really are really very portable. Um, You can do egg bite type things where it's, you know, a combination of eggs and cheese. You make little soufflés. Those are also very portable um, things you can take to work. I think meal prepping at the beginning of the week is a great idea, Um, but carnivore cooking is so quick that you may find that you may only need to do it, you know, a couple times a week. If you can fit, you know, 20 minutes of cooking up some burger patties on a Wednesday night, that'll get you through, you know, the end of the week. But other things that you can do that are carnivore are some, you know, quality sliced beef that you can get at the deli counter. If you haven't prepped for lunch, and you can get to a supermarket, you you can get sliced roast beef, like a boar's head roast beef is pretty clean. And you can do that and pair it with some cheese if you're doing dairy or not, or just have the roast beef prepared for you. There's always, you know, quick rotisserie chicken, you can get at a supermarket too. And things like shrimp also travel really well. So if you saute some shrimp and stick that in a container to go, that's also a really easily you know, an easy meal that you can pack and eat at your desk.
0: What about chicken? Do you eat much chicken?
1: You know, I'm not against chicken. I do love chicken, but I find chicken to be sort of unsatisfying, I think because it's such a lean protein. So the chicken that I eat mainly is chicken wings, but generally I love lamb the most and I love beef the most because it is so satisfying. Um, It has, you know, a nice fat profile to it and it just keeps me full for a really long time. Actually talking about meal timing is one thing. If you are transitioning to a carnivore and you're out working, you'll find you've got, you've got more time for work. Most carnivores will sort of fall into a pattern of two meals a day rather than three, you know, one or two meals a day. So you've got the morning to just have a coffee and get to work. You don't have to worry about making breakfast every morning. <laughs> or you've got some extra time at night if you don't do dinner and you just do the breakfast and the lunch. So, um,
0: What about organ meats? Do you uh, eat many organ meats?
1: I do love liver. Um, I try to incorporate liver. I would say the requirement for organ meats is not there. I mean, people don't need to eat organ meats. If you like the taste, and I happen to like the taste of liver, I would say, great, you know, do it, get it in. It's fantastic for you. Um, Other organ meats I like are heart. Um, I like chicken heart, beef heart, and tongue is great. Uh, But you know, it's, it's not necessarily a requirement. There are a lot of people who just do regular muscle meat cuts, and they're perfectly fine. But liver is, it's just a power food. I, I put it in uh, pate is how I like it the most. And, and then I'll make a big batch of pate, put it in little pots. And throughout the week, I'll have a pot of pate each day.
0: I'm a, I'm a deer hunter. Uh, I haven't shot one yet this year, but uh, hopefully I will. And uh, for the first time this year, I'm wanting to actually get the heart and the liver. Uh, so when I do that, give me something good I can do with it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I've never eaten deer meat to say, uh, and I imagine that the heart is quite a bit smaller than a beef heart. Um, but you know, heart meat—if it's similar to beef—I'd say heart meat is is very similar to regular muscle meat. But that it, but it doesn't have a striation the way that a muscle meat does. So it's really tender. Heart jerky is actually really delicious, so if you can put that slice it thin, put it in an oven at a low temperature um, to sort of dry it out. Heart jerky is delicious i'd recommend maybe doing that um, or just slicing it and kind of sauteing it quick on um with a hot sear on both sides and having it kind of rare and same for the liver the The secret to cooking liver well is to not overcook it, so uh, if you do get the liver you know, slice it into steaks. Uh, if you're not making a pate, slice it into steaks and do a nice hot quick sear on that. Um, it will be, I'm sure, delicious.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to try it. So uh, do, do your kids, will, will they eat any organ meats?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever even offered them to <laughs> I think they would. They would um, run away screaming probably. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, think my kid, well, my son might, uh, especially he's been deer hunting with me. And so just, uh, I don't, just for the idea of it, you know, he might like, he might try it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Oh
1: yeah, I bet. And you know, it's great if you can, if you can get them to like the taste, you know, I, I feel like I was lucky enough as a kid to have pate quite a bit. And so the liver taste doesn't, doesn't bother me. And I love it so much. Um, but if you don't grow up with it, it's really hard to acquire that taste.
0: So I, I tried. I did strict carnivore for about a week. Um, I don't know. It was after reading, I think, Dr. Baker's book a, a little while ago. So I noticed some things like little. I was working out one day. Had some little muscle fasciculations, and and I know that when people you know are doing strict carnivore, they can have sometimes kind of some weird symptoms. You know, I know you're supposed to really kind of push your salt. Uh, I was taking magnesium. So is that common? And then maybe what are some other common uh, side effects, I guess, people uh, you know, can expect? And then what can we do to, to offset those?
1: Okay. So yeah, absolutely. The transition period there can cause some, some strange symptoms that in my experience are typically caused by an electrolyte imbalance. And this comes from Uh, losing weight, losing water, and you start flushing electrolytes with that. When people have, you know, the leg cramp symptoms, which are very typical, that will be, you know, you just need to supplement with magnesium. And that oftentimes helps a lot. There are people that say, oh, I've got a headache or, oh, I feel tired or, oh, I feel a little fluttery. Um, And that's typically a potassium issue where potassium has been flushed and I'll, and I'll recommend people just try a quarter teaspoon of potassium and a little bit of water. And if you're short on potassium, if that's what the issue is, which it typically is, you'll feel better within 10 minutes of taking that potassium. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't have to be some, you know, crazy expensive supplement. I recommend people just go to the supermarket and get the Morton's salt substitute. Um, It's potassium chloride, that's gonna do the trick. Sometimes people overdo it on electrolytes because they read, you know, I need to, you know, eat like two teaspoons of salt a day um, or more. They start sort of loading up on sodium and that can cause symptoms of like having to go to the bathroom all the time or being thirsty all the time. So I tell people generally to just salt their meat to taste, add potassium as necessary and add magnesium because we're all sort of magnesium deficient. And, um, I think it's a great supplement for everyone to have. Does that answer your question? I feel like I think, there was more.
0: Uh, no, no, I think it's good. And so how long would you say it normally takes somebody to, to stop having maybe some of these side effects? you know, if, if they're doing a strict carnivore diet,
1: well, apparently it really varies. And I, I could just judging based on what I've been told, I mean, some people don't ever have any symptoms like this. They're just totally fine. And for some people, it can be months um, where they're, they're feeling like, oh, this isn't working for me. I'm not feeling better. But typically, if you're not feeling better on a carnivore diet within a few months, then you need more than just meat to help you. You may need some gut support that you know working with a good nutritionist or someone like yourself to un, that understands how to help heal the gut that that would help but typical carnivore transition is like about 2 months where you're really fat adapted you're feeling really good you've gotten a lot of benefits and like i said they they are cumulative so it's sort of like i have found more and more benefits as time's gone on but you'll start feeling those benefits i think you know 2 months is about Where everyone's like, "Wow, it's really working," (laughs) and I feel really good, you know, and they're sticking with it.
0: So you you talked about this a little bit, but walk us through kind of your daily routine as far as you know diet is concerned. So, what does your breakfast, if you eat it, lunch, dinner typically typically look like? Like like today, just give us some things you'll eat.
1: Okay, so generally, I wake up and I have my coffee. I'm definitely a coffee addict. I admit to my caffeine addiction. Um, I, I love a cup of coffee in the morning and then I just get busy. So I dance, so I ballroom dance. So I'll go and I'll train or I'll sit at my desk and I've got you know, work to do. It's, you know Cooking and eating meat is not my full-time job. So I'll do work and then I will grill some meat typically at about one o'clock. I'll have a ribeye steak, say, and that'll be about three quarters of a pound of meat it's very typical for me to eat for a lunch. If I eat less than that, then I'm gonna feel snackish. But if I eat three quarter pound or pound ribeye, I am set until dinner, I'm good to go. And then dinner typically is gonna be some other cut of meat, either you know pork chop, lamb chop, another ribeye, some uh, beef patties or, or chicken wings. And I eat a late dinner. So that's gonna end at about you know 8 p.m. And then I'm good for the night. And I started again, you know, the next afternoon with eating. So there's a, a great natural intermittent fasting that happens for a lot of people happened for me on a carnivore diet. And it didn't start that way. Um, I, I started with, you know, three meals a day at least and snacking all day on carnivore foods because my MO was eating all day. That's what I did. I, you know, I always had a snack with me before keto, during keto. And at the beginning of carnivore, I was just kind of snacking all day and that's gone away now. So my day is, you know, just that I eat for, what is that? A seven hour eating window and then I'm fasting for the rest. It's pretty easy.
0: And you don't feel hungry a lot during the day?
1: I don't feel hungry. I never feel hungry. Like I used to feel like if I don't get a snack right now or if I don't stop off you know, while I'm driving, if I don't have something right now, um, I'm just going to die. I never feel like that anymore. Um, that Im- the amount of food typically I eat is somewhere between a pound and a half or two pounds of meat. That's for me. It may vary and some people may need more or less. When I feel hungry, I eat. So I, if I'm ever feeling between meals that, you know what, I'm hungry. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to grab something, you know, from the fridge. It's going to be something carnivore. Maybe it's a piece of cheese, or maybe it's some leftover steak or a burger patty or some bacon or whatever it is. Um, and I'll eat. So I'm, you know, I try not to get crazy. And I, I try to help people also not get crazy about meal timings and being really strict with themselves because if you're feeling hunger and you don't attend to that hunger, then you will start to feel stressed out. And the stress will overcome and supersede any benefit that you're getting that day from the carnivore diet. So you just, I feel like stress is king and um, we want to live a minimally stressed out life to have best quality of life. You know, eating meat to me is like nine, it's, you know, say it's 40% of the equation and keeping your stress down is the other 60%. You know, it's so important to keep stress low. Um, that I feel like they're they're almost equal. It's it's like you can't you can't solve everything with diet. You sort of have to sort your head out, also.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, so you mentioned uh, you do ballroom dancing. Uh, I I'm not a ballroom dancer, but I, I would think that would be pretty physically demanding. Have Have you ever felt like you needed the carbohydrates for for the energy and for the performance? I'm assuming not, but.
1: I'll tell you what. Interestingly, no, it's quite the opposite. It's very interesting to me because when you go to these ballroom competitions, there's always snacks on the table, and those snacks are really sugary things. You know, M and M's, chocolates, uh, you know, stuff like that. And everybody's just dipping in all day long to these carby snacks to keep their energy up. And I never feel the urge because I know if I if I were to eat something like that, I'd crash. And that's what's going on with these people all day long. They're dancing and they're they're up and they're then, and they're down and their blood sugar's up and down. And what we do in ballroom is this thing called rounds where you sort of have to go all out where you're dancing five dances in a row. And it's really like a survival of the fittest. At the end of those d- five dances, you can see, I can see the other competitors sort of like huffing and puffing. They're running low on energy. They're, they're, it shows on their faces. And I'm like, ready to go. I'm like, I don't need anything. I'm running off fat. You know, I'm like, I've got my energy stores. They're ready to go. And I'm, you know, I just, I take a deep breath and I keep on going. And it was a, I actually saw a huge improvement in my ballroom dancing results after going carnivore, which surprised me, but it's tremendous. It's a huge advantage on the floor to be fat adapted. You know, it's like those ultra marathoners that are fat adapted. They're in such a better position to, you know, run the long run because they don't need to, you know, be replenishing with any goo packets or anything like that during their run. So I find it great. No, I don't, I don't feel the need for carbs ever during those.
0: Interesting. So I'm wondering, especially in that circle, do you get people thinking that you're crazy for for doing this? I mean, (laughs) you know, because a lot of people, when they think of the carnivore diet sounds like very manly, you know, like Dr. Baker, you know, he's a power lifter and, and, you know, kind of the quintessential person to eat this kind of diet. You know, you're a young, attractive woman who does ballroom dancing. So I'm just wondering do, do you get funny looks? Do people think you're crazy?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I don't share, um, I don't go around sort of like a militant carnivore and like tell people like I'm carnivore. Right. So, but they notice how I eat. Mm -hmm. And so when we're at the events, they're like, Oh, you're not going to eat your salad. And I'm like, no, I just really love steak. I'm just going to have steak. And then maybe I'll have another steak. But you know, when I, when I do tell people, you know, I don't eat vegetables or I don't eat fruits. I think they think I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. Um, They think that I maybe eat very few, but I must eat some vegetables, because otherwise, how am I still standing here? And how am I doing so well and not falling over? (laughs) Um, So I think kind of they don't believe me. But, you know, I, I'll explain to them, no, I really just eat meat. And then they'll start asking questions if they're interested, like, how long have you been doing this? Oh, it seems to be working for you. And ultimately, they always, you know, give me a story like, oh, I could never do that. You know, I just love pasta too much. Or I just, I couldn't live without bread, or, you know, stuff like that. And I try not to be, you know, very preachy about it, but, you know, I will share with them. Yeah, it's just, it's been really great. I feel really great. Um, And then I just sort of let it drop.
0: (laughs) So any favorite recipes that, that you can give us that you'd like to share?
1: So since we're in the winter season, I call winter season prime rib season because it is just so great to roast a huge prime rib in the winter. Um, you know, even when the holidays are over, it's, it's a great wintertime thing. So one favorite recipe of mine is a roasted prime rib and I'll just tell your listeners. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to take that prime rib and you put on the seasonings that you like, whatever you tolerate. I happen to love rosemary, um, sage, onion, garlic goes on the, you know, usually it's like three or five pounds of a ribeye roast. Um, I convection roast at 450 degrees for about 15 minutes and then you're going to reduce the temperature in your oven to 350 degrees and cook it until the inside of the roast gets to 125 and that's it and it will be a delicious crusted beautiful ribeye roast that everyone will enjoy if you like your meat a little bit more well done obviously increase the internal temperature but one great tip is to make sure you've got one of those thermometers that you can mm-hmm. stick in the roast that sort of has a lead that um, either wirelessly transmits to your thermometer uh, readout or with a wire, because it's the only way you're going to know if your roast is cooked to perfection is if you've got a thermometer in it. So, but a ribeye roast, that's a great recipe and it's so easy.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Um, Another question I had. So if, if you're traveling, you know, we talked about maybe going to work, you know, and and hopefully you have a microwave or something to to heat up your meat. But if you're traveling on the road, uh, I think Dr. Baker had mentioned he goes in like a Wendy's or McDonald's or something and and just asks for the patty. And then he says he gets like 10 of them, (laughs) Um, which I I have not tried that yet. Uh, Any advice on, on that? If you're, if you're traveling cross country, you know, in a vehicle.
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of that. I think it's a great inexpensive way to eat carnivore on the go is to stop in. Now just make sure that you, the restaurant of your choice isn't adding fillers or seasonings that are kind of, you know, that, that that you don't tolerate well. But places like Wendy's, excellent. It's 100% beef and it's totally affordable and it is very accessible. Wendy's, um, McDonald's, there it's just great options. I would never tell anybody not to do that. I think it's I think it's perfect. Just, and they all sort of get it at this point. I have found that I never have any trouble when I say, can I just get, you know, five large patties. Wendy's is my go-to. It's my local place. Five large patties in a plate, just plain. They know the price. They ring it up I pull around to the window and we're done. So it's a great option for on the go. I love it.
0: Okay. Uh, Anything else that I didn't ask that you just feel like is important for the listeners?
1: Well, I think basically when we talk about carnivore, I think that it's important for people to understand that it's not a dangerous diet. It's not a fad diet. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to give you cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not going to destroy the planet either. And it doesn't make you a horrible person for eating animals. Um, I think that that's sort of a hurdle that a lot of people have a hard time getting over. They think, well, Shouldn't we be decreasing the amount of eat meat that we eat? Why should I be increasing the amount of meat I'm eating? I'm, you know, If you have any health problems, certainly red meat is not going to solve them. And that is what I hope that people can get over because it's, it is actually quite the opposite. It's those other foods, the things that you've been told are heart healthy, those cereal grains, those canola oils and seed oils and things um, that you've been told are so good for you are oftentimes the foods that are harming you. And, you know, people need to understand that animal agriculture in general is not harming the planet. Certainly not when compared to standard agriculture of plant foods. Uh, And so, you know, I just hope that some people can be more open to the fact that eating an animal-based diet or a carnivore diet is good for you, it's good for the planet, um, and it is not a, you know, wacky thing to do. It's absolutely sustainable. In terms of getting all of your nutrition and you know being a basis for a life well lived right we're all trying to just get the best out of the time we're given and if i can live more healthfully stay out of doctor's offices and have more energy um you know sort of stay younger longer i'm a happy person so i hope that people can you know sort of get that message give it a try right and if after you know, 30 days or 60 days, you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't do it, then fine. But I think most people find that the improvements are something that they don't want to disappear and they stick with it.
0: Very good. So is that what you typically recommend is uh, if somebody wants to try it to maybe at least stick with it for 30 days or, or 60, would that kind of be the minimum?
1: Yes, definitely. Because, you know, you can't do it for a week or two and say, well, I haven't gotten any improvements because healing just takes longer. If you think about all the time that you've spent damaging your body over the years, you know, give it, give it two months of a break to heal. I think, I think you'll see something, but if you give it just a week or two, you know, it's just not enough time to see improvements. You may find it's some immediate weight loss, or you may find some, um, immediate changes in terms of like, uh, things, you know, if you've got skin rashes and things might start going away in two weeks, but to really get adapted to the diet and start realizing full effects, you know, month or 2 it'd be great.
0: So I have to ask, you know, there's this debate about, you know, grass fed grass finished versus not, um, what, what do you say to that?
1: Well, I'm a huge proponent of eating the meat that you like, right. Whether that be Grain-finished or grass-finished, if you're eating the meat that you like, that's what's most important. But what people need to really understand is that nutritionally, there's no difference between grain-finished meat, which is like standard supermarket meat, and grass-finished meat. So if you can afford it, if you feel like um, supporting your local farmer that's down the road, and you can pay, say it's $18 a pound you know, for your meat that's great. You know, you do that if you like it. I love grain finished meat. So that to me tastes better than grass finished meat. So I buy that and I buy it at the supermarket. And what people need to understand really is that when you buy grain finished meat, that's been raised and finished in the U S you are still supporting U S ranchers. So a lot of people say, well, I want to buy local, you know, you have to understand if you're, if you're eating grass finished meat you may be buying meat that's from New Zealand or Australia and you're certainly not supporting local if you're doing that mm-hmm. so people should think about what their you know priorities are in terms of what they want to support and voting with their wallet you know the way they say but to me even buying grain finished beef at the supermarket supports the US ranchers because that's who's supplying the beef to our Supermarket these are family owned ranches, like just to give you an idea that most of most of the ranches in the u s are family owned and that 's who 's supplying our our supermarket uh, with their beef so people should know too that when an animal is grain finished it 's not fed grain its whole life it 's only fed grain for the last few months, four to six months of its life that 's about ten percent of the food that it eats mm-hmm. is grain where it's industry byproducts waste things like you know brewer brewer waste from corn and hops and things, you know, things that we can't eat, forage and hay and stuff like that. Okay. Well also oftentimes you'll you know you have to know that there's a lot of trickery going on in marketing of grass fed meat. Just because a cow is you know labeled grass fed doesn't mean it's grass finished and you may be paying extra for something that you think you're getting, but you're not because all cows are grass fed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, marketing is a little bit tricky. There is no regulation on the term grass fed. So people need to really just, you know, do some research if you are paying extra um, for an ideal that you think you're getting.
0: Okay. So I always finish by asking my guests to give us one tip that can make us healthier today. It can be about what we're talking about or not. Uh, what, what would you say to that?
1: Oh, my huge, my hugest tip is do what you can to reduce your stress. I'll give mm-hmm. you that tip because you know, I love to eat meat, right? So obviously eating meat is going to be, you know, a great tip, eat meat, <laughs> eat meat, be healthy, okay. but separate from that individually, you know, personal to me, the hugest tip is do what you can to reduce your stress. Um, find some stress management, uh, some stress management techniques that you can use to sleep better at night, to not be mulling over your troubles all day long, you know, turn off the news, please, uh, at times and live your life and enjoy. We only have so much time on this earth. Enjoy the ones you're with. Uh, Make time for people. Take your face out of the phone. Try and live a good, healthy life. Uh, you know, and understand that if if you're putting the right things in your body, it makes r- stress relief so much easier because that carby roller coaster um, really is rough on your mood. You know, so it's not just bad for your body, but it's bad for your mind, and it's going to increase your stress if you're feeling hangry all the time or your blood sugar's up, but the blood sugar's down, your hormones are all out of whack. Um, So I feel like it's sort of part and parcel. Like I was saying, it's sort of, you know, 40, 60 stress and eating right. Um, That's what I would do. Make sure you get some stress relief. I love dancing. So there's, (laughs) see if you can find a place, sign up for some ballroom lessons. They're awesome for stress relief.
0: There you go. Okay. Well, great advice. Well, how can people connect with you?
1: Well, I'm mainly on Instagram. That's where you'll find me at the Carnitarian on Instagram, or you can go to meet our Ex and you'll see me there listed as a coach. Uh, my calendar is posted if you wanted to book a session, um, but I'm always available on Instagram. People can send me a message. I love answering, you know, quick tips or if anybody has any questions, they can send them through Instagram.
0: Okay. Well, very good. Well, Linda, we appreciate your time and uh, talking about this subject.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was great to talk to you.
0: Yeah, you as well. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com. Or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com. This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk.